All right. Hello, hello, hello to all my invisible listeners. I do apologize. It's been so long. It's been a long time since I've, well, it's been no more than a week anyway, since I've made a podcast. Been meaning to, getting lots of inspiration for it, but, you know, life gets in the way. So I wanted to start out by talking about unemployment. Many people here in New York State have still not gotten unemployment, and it's been over a month um, since we've been unemployed, uh, quarantined due to the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic. And of course, it's now since then been reported. It's been reported locally on uh, uh, mainstream media here locally that many people have been having trouble applying for unemployment. There's also a website based in California, calmatters.org, reporting that in California they're having trouble. And Redacted tonight, I saw they reported people around the country are having trouble according, uh, because of, uh, supposedly because of uh, an old outdated computer system that the states are using. That could be true. However, in New York State, they did redo the website. They made changes on it to make it easier for people to apply. Um, but people still haven't gotten the unemployment. And at the end of applying, people still get a message saying you have to wait for someone to call you. Um, I myself applied four times. Four times. The, the fourth time I applied, I, I called in and got a robot that answered the phone and said, we have no record of you having applied yet. So I applied again for the fourth time. And so now this week, finally, um, weeks later after I've applied, I've started getting calls. I've so far, far gotten two voicemail messages from two different robots telling me that they received my message that I applied for unemployment. So I'm, I'm wondering if I'm going to get four unemployment checks because I applied four times. I hope that doesn't happen because then I know the state of New York is going to try and get me to pay back the money and I'm not going to be able to do it. So that's what I'm concerned about. By the way, if you get unemployment, you should know that if they overpay you, they will send you a bill. Okay, so um, I know people who've had this experience. You apply for unemployment, and if they find out that you had more money than you reported, or maybe you took on a temp job here or there and got a little bit of money that came in, um, if they find out about it, they will send you a bill. And if you can't pay it, oh my gosh, (laughs) there's going to be a lot of problems for you in your life. So this is why some of us are not very trusting of government. Okay, um, and that brings me to, um, well, well, we're going to talk a little bit later about that, about people who, who are more trusting than others of their government and why that would be. First, I want to get back to the issue of the day, coronavirus. And I want to say that it's, you know, it's very controversial. I've gotten into debates with people on this online, and some people get very emotional and very upset and angry and So I just want to say that, you know, none of us really knows what's going on. None of us knows whether it's a synthetic virus, whether this is bio-warfare, or whether this is a natural virus that just naturally occurred, like so many viruses in our environment, which are around us all the time. Nobody really knows. What we do know is that the way our government is responding to it and the way our society is responding to it is very dysfunctional. Not a very healthy way to respond to a virus when viruses are a part of life. We're never going to get rid of them. We're not going to get rid of this one. We're not going to get rid of any of them. It's just 
it's a part of life. I'm sorry to say it, but we are mortal beings. We're not going to live forever. There's lots of things out there that can get us. And normally we don't think about that because, you know, it's scary and we don't, most of us don't want to live our lives in fear. Unfortunately, some people do want us to live our lives in fear because it's easier to control us when we are filled with fear. So that's just, it's just something to think about. Again, I'm not saying I know all the answers. Certainly there are people who've died from this virus, but there are people who die from a lot of other things too. There's um, a lot of controversy online. There are some doctors, like there's a Dr. Erickson, for example, who came forward and said, you know what, the way we're handling this is not the right way. We should let people go to work. We shouldn't be quarantining everyone. And then he was very heavily censored for saying that. Uh, Censored by, I mean, his freedom of speech was stopped. He was not allowed. You know, um, his video, the videos of him speaking were taken down from sites like YouTube run by Google. And people, of course, discredited him. And, you know, that's that's what they do. But there are a lot of different opinions, you know, and not not all doctors think that this quarantine is a good idea and that the way that this virus is being managed is a good idea. Again, I'm not saying I know what the answer is. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm not God. If I were God, things would be a lot different in this world. But I do know, for one thing I do know, is that viruses are everywhere. They are a part of life. And another thing that I know is that fear is not a good state of mind to be in. And when people are afraid, we tend to not think rationally when we're afraid. First of all, we tend to not be very nice to each other either. We tend to not be very kind to each other. I'm amazed by how some people have been acting as a result of this this coronavirus. You know, just because um, you're being asked to maintain six feet distance and cover your face with a mask doesn't mean you can't talk to people. doesn't mean you can't be nice to people. You know, it doesn't mean you can't socialize, really. It just means, you know, be careful not to catch the virus. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. We face our common difficulties. They concern, thank God, only material things. The withered leaves of industrial enterprise lie on every side. Farmers find no market for their produce, and the savings of many years and thousands of families are gone. More important, a host of unemployed citizens face the grim problem of existence and an equally great number toil with little return. Only a foolish optimist can deny the dark realities of the moment. And yet we are stricken by no plague of locusts. Compared with the perils which our forefathers conquered, we have still much to be thankful for. That was Franklin Delano Roosevelt speaking on March 4th, 1933. That was his inauguration speech. And of course, he was president during the first Great Depression that we had, or the, the earlier Great Depression that we had back in the 1930s. A lot of people are predicting we will enter or are, are entering another Great Depression. 
due to uh, this quarantine and people not being able to work. My concern about this Great Depression is that we live in a time when we're being taught to believe in rugged individualism and to blame people for not having a lot of money, to judge people for not having a lot of money, uh, to assume that we're better than somebody else if we have more money than they do. And, and that's my concern is that entering another Great Depression, a large percentage of people out of work, and yet having this rugged individualism, this extreme selfishness and not a desire to help others combined, that is a very, very dangerous combination, in my opinion. And yes, that is my opinion. Another uh, opinion that I have is I, I wonder whether states have the money to provide unemployment benefits to all the people who are unemployed. And I realize, you know, that it's been reported that people, that state states are using outdated computer software to process unemployment claims and that that is why they are having trouble keeping up with all the unemployment claims coming in. And of course, it's an unprecedented number of people applying for unemployment, right? But I still, I'm wondering whether states can really afford to provide unemployment benefits. And I'm wondering if that is the real holdup in terms of providing unemployment is that maybe they just don't have the money to really do it and are trying to figure out how they're going to fund it. And I think we know that our politicians are not going to take a pay cut to to pay for this. And, and they're not going to start uh, taxing the rich, right? We, we I think most of us know that big businesses, uh, millionaires and billionaires, get huge tax breaks every year. They get millions of dollars, possibly billions of dollars, back every year from the IRS. And you know that that's not going to change, right? They're not going to stop giving those tax benefits to wealthy people in order to help the rest of us. Oh my goodness, they'd never dream of doing such a thing. I don't expect that to happen. I wish it would happen. I definitely wish it would happen that we would start, that we would go back to the 1950s tax rates where people who earn a certain amount of money pay a, a lot, a higher percentage, a much higher percentage of their income in, in taxes than they do now. I'd love to go back to those 1950s tax rates, but I just, <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath for that one. Uh, now, something else I wanted to touch on today, I just wanted to just throw, throw out some ideas there, some things people to think about. Um, one is a TED Talk I saw uh, a couple years back, and it was given by a woman who had gone to a third world country in Africa, and while she was there, um, well, first of all, she was a very athletic, very healthy person. Um, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, I think she w worked as a stunt woman, actually, and she was in, in terrific shape physically. However, she went to this poor third world country, and while she was there, contracted some sort of bug. I don't know if it was a virus, bacteria, I don't know what it was. But something got into her system, and she got an, an infected by it, and it rendered her paralyzed for the rest of her life. This otherwise healthy p 
person. Um, and it was heartbreaking actually to hear that. And I personally had no idea that there were things that were that dangerous in terms of things that we can catch that can get into our system that could do things that, that, uh, they're that harmful, but there are. There are all kinds of viruses, bacteria, all kinds of things in our environment that we can't even see that can get into us and cause us tremendous harm. Things that are even more harmful than the coronavirus. But we don't normally react with this extreme fear. We don't normally react to these things by saying, let's shut down the country, we can't go out. We can't interact with other people. Oh my gosh, we might catch something. Remember the AIDS epidemic? Did we tell people who were homosexual, people who were gay, did we say to them, don't interact with other gay people, don't have sex with other people because you are in a high-risk group, you might get AIDS? No, we did not do that because we collectively as Americans, we believed in freedom. We used to believe in freedom, freedom of choice, people being free to make their own decisions. You know, we did not use surveillance technology to target people. We didn't say, oh, people who are homosexual need to be targeted. They need to be followed around everywhere they go. No, that would be considered to be discrimination. We would never have done anything like that. Or to say, ah, oh, this person has the AIDS virus. Let's target this person. Let's follow this person everywhere they go. We need to use high-tech surveillance equipment to make sure that we know everywhere this person goes and everyone they interact with and make sure they're not having sex with people because they're going to be spreading AIDS. We did not do that, people. Remember? Remember? Remember what this country used to stand for? Do you remember? We believed in freedom freedom of choice, and we believed that freedom was much more important than safety. I understand people are scared. I get it. Believe me, I get it. But think about what life can be like if safety becomes the most important thing to you. Safety first. Okay, safety first. Think about the people who live in prisons. They are surrounded by armed guards all day long. They are under 24-hour surveillance, being kept safe under 24-hour surveillance. Now, how safe are they? What do we hear about people who are in prisons? What do we hear about what happens to them? We hear about prisoners here in the United States getting raped, getting beaten up. And of course, there was the famous case of Khalif Browder was sent to Rikers Island when he was a teenager. Okay, spent about three years in Rikers Island. And he was tortured so badly there um, on a regular basis that he ended up committing suicide years later as an adult. Okay, living in a prison is not a pleasant experience, especially if you're in the United States, sorry to say. We imprison more of our own people than any other country in the world. And our prisons are, are terrible places. But guess what? The people who live in these prisons, again, they are under constant surveillance. They are surrounded by armed guards. Yeah, they are safe in many ways, being kept safe and protected from the outside world. And yet, 
they are also in great danger. Because by, by living in a safe environment, they are dependent on the people who are keeping them safe. They are dependent on those armed guards and on the judges and on the criminal justice system to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. And guess what? They're human beings. So they're not always doing what they're supposed to be doing. So do you really want to live in a prison? Is that really how you want to live? You want to be safe and you want someone else to tell you how to be safe. You think it's okay for the government to keep us under constant surveillance to protect us from the coronavirus. Well, let me tell you something. If you're going to authorize this government to use high-tech surveillance technology to keep us safe from the coronavirus, to track and monitor and control people, then guess what? I'll bet there are things that you do in your daily life that are not healthy that someone else may not approve of. I'll bet you smoke or you drink alcohol or you eat junk food. I'll bet you're ordering pizza more often than you should. I'll bet you're eating candy and cookies and foods, uh, processed food. I'll bet you're eating food with preservatives in it, with nitrites and high fructose corn syrup and all sorts of chemicals in it. Hmm, maybe you need to be monitored too. Maybe we should be spying on you and restricting how much of those foods you can eat because you clearly are not making the right decisions. Maybe you don't exercise every day like you should. That's not a good decision either. You know, whoever is behind the surveillance, they will make that decision. They will decide. And their values might be different from yours. You might think that you're a good person and you're not doing anything wrong. And because you're not doing anything wrong, you have nothing to worry about, right? But that's by your standards. The person who's keeping you under surveillance might have different standards than you. From their point of view, you might be doing something wrong. I happen to be somebody who avoids high fructose corn syrup and who avoids nitrites when and if I eat processed meat. Okay. And I like to eat fruits and vegetables. So if I see somebody who doesn't eat like I do, when I see people at the store and they're buying cookies and candy and cupcakes and all this junk, I think, oh my gosh, this person's killing themselves. What if I were the person conducting surveillance? I might not approve of the way you eat. Now, there's some people who are vegans. They don't believe in eating meat or fish or eggs or dairy, right? If they're behind the surveillance, huh, they'll be following you around because you're eating meat, you're eating fish, you're eating dairy. Not very healthy. And I, I find it to be very illogical and irrational when I see people who they're wearing a mask, they're keeping the six feet distance, they're afraid to go out, afraid to go outside and interact with other people because they're so worried about the coronavirus, but they come home and they smoke cigarettes or they drink alcohol or they eat a lot of junk food, processed food. Again, I know the virus is out there. I'm not saying it's not. It does exist. I don't know whether this is biowarfare. I don't know whether it's a synthetic virus or it's a natural virus. I don't know. But I do know that the way it's being managed and the way that people are reacting to it is not, it just doesn't make sense to me, okay? That's my opinion. You may like it, you may not like it. And that's your choice right now. But if we allow this government to continue on with its quest to take away our civil liberties, it will not be a choice. Do you understand? Do you understand? 
all throughout history, governments have worked hard to take away people's choices. We never should have let the Patriot Act get passed after 9-11. We should work to try to get the Patriot Act overturned. We should, because they extended it supposedly to protect us from the coronavirus, which doesn't make any sense, people. Please listen to this. This is not a conspiracy theory. They extended the Patriot Act. The surveillance cameras are still up there. And the police are still militarized. Our Fourth Amendment to our Constitution, which is supposed to make, make us all innocent until proven guilty, has been overturned. We are now all guilty until proven innocent. How much longer are we going to continue to put up with this? All right, that's enough of my crazy rant. <laughs> There's a couple of other things I wanted to talk about. Um, one is, uh, a few weeks ago, I took a selfie of myself wearing the mask. Okay, wearing my mask. I got an N95 mask, a real, real one, one that really does help to um, keep away viruses. By the way, the little handmade cloth masks that you make don't really make a difference. Um, I know that they're saying we should wear them, and, and in New York State right now, it's mandatory. We have to wear a mask when we go to, to public places. Um, a lot of supermarkets and things like that have signs up saying you must wear a mask. But I know for a fact that they don't work, not just because a lot of doctors and nurses say they don't work in terms of preventing the virus, but I have allergies. And so I put on one of those, you know, cloth masks um, that you can make yourself. Um, actually, a friend who works at a hospital gave it to me. So it's actually something that they're distributing in hospitals. And I wore it in a supermarket and I started sneezing because I have allergies. Okay, so things in the air. And I think some people were worried, you know, oh my gosh, she must have coronavirus. Oh no. But no, I just, I have allergies. But the fact that something made me sneeze while I was wearing that mask shows that that mask was not really filtering things out. Now the N95 mask I have does seem to filter out um, some things from the air, but it, it's just not very comfortable. So that's why I wear the cheaper cloth one. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to tell that little story about the masks. Um, it's another contradiction that I'm seeing is that first we were told it, they, they're not beneficial. They, they don't really protect from the virus. Now we're told we have to wear the mask, you know, at least in New York state and probably other states, it's become mandatory, but the masks do not, most of those masks are not going to really um, help you, you know, <laughs> they're not really going to prevent you from getting the virus. So it's kind of like, okay, so they're forcing us to wear a mask that really doesn't impact, really doesn't prevent the virus. So again, I'm just asking the question, why? Why would you do that? Why would you make it a law, you know, people have to wear a mask in public places when you know that mask is not even going to prevent spread, the spread of the virus? It doesn't make sense. It, that, that's another thing that just doesn't make sense about the coronavirus and the way, the way I'm talking about the way it's being managed in this country. Um, okay, uh, I actually didn't finish my story. <laughs> didn't finish my story. Okay, so a few weeks ago, I took a, a selfie of myself wearing a mask, my, my fancy N95 mask that I got for six bucks at the store. And, um, and I thought, oh, I'm going to put that up on Instagram. You know, this is a new fashion trend. Look at me with my mask. And I thought I was going to be really funny. You know what? I could not put it up. I couldn't put it up on Instagram. I, I just sat there frozen looking at it and thinking, what, this reminds me of something. What does this remind me of? Why can't I, I, I just could not bring myself to post it. And when I thought about it, I realized what it reminded me of. It reminded me of 
pictures I'd seen of women in other countries where women have to hide their faces and hide their bodies. And women wear scarves over their mouths and over their, oh, sometimes covering up everything except their eyes. <laughs> you know, like they're just covered up all over the, all over their entire bodies are covered with, with cloths to hide themselves because women do not have a voice. And so I find it to be very interesting that we're being told to dress the way that these women dress in these countries where women have to cover their faces. It's fascinating, you know, it's as if the powers that be, you know, they, they all seem to operate the same way. Don't, I mean, oppression, social injustice seems to operate the same way. And so the way in which women have been kept from having a voice and from being successful and, and getting credit for the work we do, the way that we've been suppressed, the way that we've been kept down is now the way all Americans are being kept down. And I've been saying this for years, that the United S Americans are becoming a nation of women in the sense that we are being kept down the way that women are, are being kept down in other countries, that that same strategy is being used. And I think that social injustice does tend to work the same way around the world. They use the same psychology. They always use fear. For women, it's you're going to get raped. Someone's going to attack you. You're a woman. You're weak. You can't take care of yourself. You need a man to protect you. <laughs> you know, so you need to, to you know, to, and you need to cover your skin because men can't control themselves when they see a woman they're going to try and, you know, and so you just need to, they're going to try and rape you, so you have to cover up all your skin and, and hide yourself, hide who you are because strong, powerful, independent women are so frightening that we women have to hide. We have to hide behind all these, all this clothing and now Americans are being told this, you need to hide, hide behind the mask and it's, yeah, that's another thing I wanted to just mention today is that now when I see pictures of people wearing the mask, that's what it reminds me of, women being oppressed around the world. We are becoming like women. And you know what? The oppression of women that still exists around the world today has gone on for centuries, for centuries. People can be oppressed for centuries when you keep them filled with fear. It's very, very effective. Very effective. Oh dear, I'm running out of time again. I'm not going to be able to talk about all the things I wanted to talk about today. We'll have to continue it with the, the next broadcast. But I did want to let you know that if you'd like to leave a comment, please go to anchor.fm forward slash indie art show. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M forward slash indie I-N-D-Y-A-R-T-S-H-O-W and leave us a comment. Let us know what you think about how this coronavirus is being managed. You can also find uh, episodes of this podcast on Spotify and a bunch of other sites online. Sometimes I post it up on the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash guitar gorilla, G-U-I-T-A-R-G-R-R-R-E-L-L-A. I know, it's a little difficult. Until next time, thank you so much, my invisible listeners, for listening. Even though you're invisible, I love you. I hope that you are all healthy, taking really good care of your health, not just your physical health, but remember your mental health is also important. 
and you can talk to people and maintain your social distance. You can still stand a few feet away from people and smile and say hello. You can talk to people on the phone or via Zoom or Skype. Lots of ways to communicate. Don't isolate yourself. You people need people. Have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Indie Art Show Occupy Your Mind podcast. Whoops. Looks like we've run out of time. This was a great conversation. I hope we can continue it maybe next week. Certainly, it looks like we're not working right now thanks to the coronavirus, so we should have the time to do another podcast for next week. So what do you think? Do you think the government is managing this coronavirus properly? Telling us to just stay home and not get sick? How long can we maintain this social distancing? After all, humans are social animals right? So let us know in the comments. We'd love to know what you think. And until next time, occupy your mind. Occupy yourself. Think for yourself. Think independently. Think.